Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. For a really, really long time, and he is one of those people where when you think about them, you think, this guy just knows the answer. If I have a problem, I can go to him and he's going to listen, and he's not going to judge me, but he's going to know the answer. And he just has a presence about him, and that presence is the Holy Spirit in his life. So that's one of the reasons that our pastor, Tom Kyle, feels so comfortable asking him to speak when Tom's not able to be here because he trusts the heart of the man and the spirit working through this man. Please stand, and let's, if you're able, and let's welcome Darren Kassebaum. Thanks, Guy. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here. Um, some of you probably know that Tom and Randy are at home not feeling too well. And uh, so if you would, I just want to lift them up in prayer for a moment. All right. Lord, we just lift up to you, Tom and Randy and Andrew. We just pray, God, that your healing power would flow through that house, Lord, that you would restore their health, Lord, that you would remove all infirmity, Lord, that you would remove the aches and pains and fevers and just restore your health to them quickly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What well, is a joy uh, to be with you here, even though it is under the circumstances of Tom not being able to be here. He uh, and Randy, I'm uh, certain, are lifting you all up in prayer today, lifting us up in prayer. Um, you know, I had the privilege recently of traveling to Guatemala a couple weeks ago. We uh, do some work down there, and and. Uh, we had lots of meetings set up. We've not been there for seven months due to the pandemic. And so we were going to try and cover a lot of ground when we were there. Um, so my father, uh, he loves, uh, my parents get up at 3.30 in the morning. I don't know if you know that, but they get up early. So whenever I have to go to the airport, he loves the honor of driving me to the airport. So he drove me there at 4.30 in the morning that day, dropped me off. I went in, I had my ticket through uh, United. I walked up there. If you know anything about traveling out of the country right now, you have to have a COVID test. And it has to be within the last 72 hours. And so I got my COVID test. I had the nice sheet printed out. I walked up to the ticket counter and the lady looked at it and she said, she said, nope, you're not going. I said, excuse me? She said, you need a COVID PCR test. I said, I have a COVID PCR test. Look at that right there, COVID. She said, no, it has to say PCR. I'm like, what is PCR? She says, the new test they need now. I guess they had put it in place about 48 hours before that. And I was like, ah, let me speak to your supervisor. So the supervisor came over and she was not happy and she said, you're not going. You don't have a PCR test. I'm like, oh, are you serious? I said, I have to go. And uh, she got pretty forceful with me, as some, some of those agents can. And, and uh, actually, she took my test, and she wrote on top of it, and she said, COVID PCR test. And I thought of that movie, The Hobbit, where he says, you ruins is it. I thought, you just ruined my test. <laughs> and then she canceled my ticket. I was like, you can't do that. Well, she can, because <laughs> she's in charge. And defeated, I took my suitcase, and I walked over, and I sat down on a chair, and I thought, man, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. I can't call my dad. I can't call my, my wife. What am I going to do? And I just sat there and began to pray and thought about all the things I had to take care of down in Guatemala when I got there. And then the Lord gave me this idea. I think it was from the Lord. This is how the Lord speaks to me. Ideas pop in my mind. Sometimes they're crazy, and maybe they're not from the Lord. Maybe they were the Cheerios. But this morning... I had this idea. I thought, we'll go try the American 
airlines counter. It was United, American, so I walked up to the American Airlines and asked the lady, I said, um, I need to go to Guatemala. You got any flights? She goes, yeah, we have one leaving in 90 minutes. And I said, great. Um, how much is a ticket? And I'm thinking, this is going to be like three or four. You know, when it's last minute, if you know anything about traveling, it's like through the roof. And she turned out to be $150 less than my United ticket. I said, sign me up. And so she, and I said, by the way, um, what's it cost for first class? I've never paid for a first class ticket in my life because that's just thousands more, right? She, she looked at it and she goes, wow, it's only a couple hundred dollars more. I said, sign me up. And she, she never asked for my COVID test. I thought, cool. So I walked through, got down to the gate, checked on, got on the plane, and I thought, ah. made it. Arrived in Dallas, get off the plane, run to my next gate, and there's this long line of people boarding the plane, and there's this man, an official in a suit, you know, and he's rejecting everybody. He's looking at the test, not PCR, get out of the line. Not PCR, get out of the line. Finally, he walks up to the thing, and he says, if you're here with a COVID test and you don't have a PCR, you will not be getting on the flight to Guatemala. Just get out of the line. But of course, no one moves, you know, so he keeps doing this stuff. So I'm first class, right? So I just go to the front of the line and bypass this guy, get up there, give all my papers to the lady at the door, and she goes, ah, this isn't PCR. And I said, uh, I said, well, I got to go to Guatemala. She said, well, it has to say PCR in the test. So I said, well, look, it says it right there. And <laughs> she goes, how do I know you didn't write that? I said, I wouldn't write something like that. <laughs> she goes, no, this is no good. She goes, I'm going to go ask my supervisor, which is the guy in the suits kicking everybody out of the line. I thought, oh, great. She said, go stand in the corner. I felt like I was in school again. It's like, wow, I'm very comfortable with this. I know what to do in the corner. I'm very comfortable right here. <laughs> I stood there and said, Lord, uh, actually, my words were Holy Spirit. I'm happy to go if you want me to go. But uh, if they shoot me down, I'm headed back to St. Louis. So she's standing there waiting. For, and then this supervisor gets in an argument with two men and uh, they all spoke Spanish, like, and they're just back and forth, and she's standing there with, her pe with my piece of paper, you know, waiting for his approval, and finally she walks over, and she says, sir, I can let you go, but they're not going to let you into the country. They're very strict on this. I said, I'll take my chances. She said, fine, go. So I ran down the jetway and got on the plane and flew into Guatemala, and right when we landed in Guatemala and pulled up to the gate, an official walks down the aisle, and she said, if you don't have a test with PCR when you get off the plane, they're going to put you back on this plane and send you back to St. Louis, or United States. It's like, okay. So get off the plane and walk in. They've got all these, at immigration, they have all these um, doctors dressed in, you know, like the hazmat gear. You know, you think it's a radioactive situation. And they got their little things that they stick on your head and all the stuff. And I thought, oh, great, here we go. And I uh, walked up to this man and gave him my PCR test. And he looks at it. And he says, I need your phone. He goes, where's your phone? I pull out my phone. I said, here, you know my phone. He goes, no, 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 you need the QR code. And I look around and I notice all the other lines that people have their test and they have their QR code. And I said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you were supposed to fill out that form and get a QR code. I said, ah, I don't know. So he calls his supervisor. The supervisor walks over and she's not too happy either. And she said, where's your phone? I said, here, you can have my phone. She goes, no, 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 the QR code. I said, sorry, ma'am, I don't know anything about it. She goes, well, go online, fill out this form, and I said, well, I don't have any data, which I don't. I didn't have any data on my phone in another country. And she said, well, go on the free Wi-Fi. I said, okay. And so I, in front of her, I showed her the 15 Wi-Fis that are in the airport, and all of them need a passcode. And I said, there's no free ones. I said, if you have a password, I'm happy to go on and fill out the form. 
So she's getting all frustrated and looking at So they're not even paying attention to my test. And she's looking at She goes, you need the free one. And I said, what do you want me to do? So she stood there quiet. I stood there quiet. She grabbed the paper, stamped it. She said, she said just go. <laughs> so I got it to the country. It's like, yes, Lord, I think I'm supposed to be in Guatemala. <laughs> and, uh, and while we were there, we saw the favor of the Lord, and that was a great thing. But, you know, in those situations, I was reminded of what it's like sometimes in life when you feel like you're called to go forward in something, but you feel like, like there's an impossible situation in front of you. It's like the Lord is saying, go there, and you're like, yeah, but look, this is not possible. And I don't know if you ever feel like that, that maybe there's some here today, and you are facing a situation, and you, you feel like you're supposed to go forward. In fact, you almost feel like, like you know it's of the Lord that you're to go forward, and yet, there's that thing right in front of you, like, what are you going to do? But you got to do something, but you don't know what to do. How is it going to move? You can't move it, but it's got to move. And you feel like, man, time is of the essence. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. You know, it's normal to feel like that. Great men and women of God have felt like that many times down through history. If you think about Moses, you talk about pressure. You got three million people standing there. You got a red seed in front of you. You got an army coming hell bent on killing you. You got to do something. And he cries out to the Lord, Lord, do something. What does the Lord say? Lift up your staff. What's that going to (laughs) do? I mean, what's it going to do? But he lifts it up and whoosh. Yeah? David's standing there looking at a Goliath. It's impossible for any other human being on the face of the earth to take out that man. Even James Bond on his best day without his guns couldn't take out that man. And David's standing there, this little short guy. Do you ever feel like you're an ordinary person, but God has put something inside of you of extraordinary desire, and you, you sense that he's calling you to this extraordinary thing, but how can you do it? You don't have the resource, you don't have the ability, the, the contacts, the knowledge. God always operates with those kinds of people. It is the extraordinary God who takes an ordinary person in an ordinary situation and asks them to do an ordinary thing with extraordinary results. This is called the life of walking with the Holy Spirit every day. This is an everyday way of life. Nothing great is accomplished that did not require great faith. And usually the great faith doesn't mean standing up in in front of 10,000 people and say, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Like maybe we see some great men or women who do that. And that's a beautiful thing. Great faith is usually something that seems so ordinary in an impossible situation that God calls you to do But if we will step out and move forward in that one act that he asks us to do, we see extraordinary results. This is the God that we serve. This morning, I just want to look at a young man who was a very ordinary man. We don't think he is because he made it in the Bible. But at the time, everyone thought he was ordinary and he himself thought he was pretty ordinary. And it's in the uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen. 
We're going to pick it up in verse 9. This is the story of Elisha and Elijah. I don't know if you ever get those two names mixed up, like which one came first, you know, the chicken or the egg? Well, it was Elijah, J comes before S, so Elijah came before Elisha, okay? Elisha is the young man. Elijah is the gray-haired wise man who has done amazing things in God. So this is the passing of the baton from Elijah to Elisha. And uh, they've been going from town to town. Elisha, up to this point, he's done nothing great. He's carried the bags for the man of God. And here they come to uh, the, the last day of Elijah's life. All the prophets seem to know it. Elijah knows it. Elisha knows it. And in verse 9, we pick up the story there. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, well, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. I just want to pause just for a moment. I just feel led of the Holy Spirit to mention this. Here's this great man of God. I wasn't planning on preaching this, but this is just a word of knowledge real quick. Elijah was a great man of God. Elijah, right? A great man of God done amazing things. There are people in this room, you've done great, amazing things for the Lord, and you feel like maybe you're on your last lap like Elijah was, and I just want to say this to you. This man was found making disciples on the day he was taken. Work right up to the last minute. And what is the work? Take someone younger than you and pour into them what you know. It's not complicated. And do it until the day you're taken. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water saying, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Why would he say that? That seems a strange, that seems to me to be a strange thing to say. Where is the Lord, the God of, why didn't he say something like, okay, Lord, here we go. Woohoo! I'm in charge now. Let's do it. He didn't do that. He said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Can you imagine that? Here's this young man. He's standing on the bank of this Jordan River. Have you ever stood down at the St. Louis Arch, looked at the Missouri River and the water's going by and it's muddy? That's a small picture of what the Jordan was like. And here he is. And he's standing here. And you know who's on the other side? The company of the prophets, all the great men who just saw Elijah part the Jordan. And now Elisha is standing there and they're all looking at him thinking, does he got the goods? Is he the one? And in his heart, he knows he is. But there's this Jordan in front of him. What's he going to do? Can you imagine what that might feel like? Have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way today? I feel that way many times during a week. I feel like, Lord, I'm just an ordinary man. In ordinary times, working in ordinary job with ordinary people. 
And yet, Lord, in my heart, I desire to see extraordinary things happen in my business, in my family, in my city, in my nation, in this world. I, I desire to see the extraordinary. And the Bible is filled with God's promises that he will and does do the extraordinary through the ordinary. And I don't know about you, but many times I feel like I'm standing at the bank of the Mississippi River looking across and thinking, how the heck am I going to get across this thing? I mean, I know you did it for Elijah. I know you did it for Moses. I know you did it for Jesus. I know you did it for Paul and Peter and John. But will you do it for me? In fact, fast forward even to the 20th century. I grew up in a church where there were great men and women of God who did extraordinary things. And as a young man, I sat there and I had greatness in my heart. And I thought, Lord, yes, you do it for them, but would you do it for me? And if you ever face that question... Congratulations, you are in the company of thousands of great ones who have felt the exact same way. I love what it says in James. Elijah was a man just like us. If Elijah were wearing clothes of the 21st century and he came and sat in here and he sat on the row back there, you'd look at him and then you just look away. He was an ordinary man. There was nothing about him that seemed extraordinary. The words he used, the wisdom that he walked with, nothing was extraordinary. He was an ordinary man who did ordinary things, but when he did the ordinary things that the Lord told him to do, the results were extraordinary. We serve an extraordinary God, a God of the impossible. I do believe that today there are people in this room and you feel like you have a big calling on your life. You believe that God's hand is on your life for purpose. And it's not something just small just to exist and get by and be taken up to heaven. I believe I'm speaking to people in a room and there are some here and you sense in your own soul that God has called you for some great thing. Some of you, you may not know what it is, but you... You sense that. And yet you feel ordinary. And my job today, the reason the Lord has sent me here today is to encourage you that he takes the ordinary and he infuses it with the Holy Spirit and the result is extraordinary if we would just take the step that he's calling us to take. And it's usually an ordinary step with extraordinary results. Elisha calls out and he says, where now is the God of Elijah? Why is that such a great question? Because it was the God of Elijah through Elijah's word, an ordinary word, that caused the rain to stop for three years. It was the God of Elijah through a widow, an ordinary widow, who did an ordinary thing. She baked a man a cake. And it resulted in oil that kept flowing enough to feed three people for a very long time. It was the God of Elijah through Elijah's pleading that raised a boy from the dead. It was the God of Elijah through Elijah's prayer that caused fire to come down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. It was the God of Elijah through an angel that provided hotcakes, rest, and refreshment to an ordinary man. It was the God of Elijah through Elijah's word that caused fire to come down and consume his enemies. It was the God of Elijah through Elijah striking the water with a coat that parted the Jordan and enabled this man to fulfill his destiny. 
It was the God of Elijah who showed up in flaming chariots and horses and took this man into heaven. It's a great question that Elisha asked. He stands at the corner here or at the edge of this river. And his very first act in stepping out in the purposes of God is to cry out, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? The best thing that you and I can do when we find ourselves in a situation where we know we must move forward, but we feel like something is stopping us, the very best thing we can do is to call out on God. That is the wisest thing to do. And if you find yourself amongst a company of people when you're in that situation, you can pray under your breath and the Lord will hear. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been in situations in a boardroom. And I'm presented with a situation and... um, And as the people are speaking, in my mind, I'm thinking, I have no idea what to do right now. But I know people are going to look at me. Thank you, guy, for those kind words that you perceive me as a man with answers. I really don't have answers. It's all a facade. But the reality is I'm sitting there as a man who's supposed to have answers. And in my mind, I am crying out, actually, as people are telling me the situation, God, help me. God, help me. God, tell me what to do. God, give me something. I need something now. God, help me. God, help me. And when it's time for me to open my mouth, amazingly, a good answer comes out from the Lord. This is what it's like to walk with the Holy Spirit in the everyday of life. This supernatural way of life is not for some who stand in front of large crowds and do great things. It is for the ordinary believer in the ordinary of life, taking the ordinary steps and seeing extraordinary results. This is what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. He stands there and he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Do you face a Jordan in your life? The wisest thing to do is to call on the God who will answer. He always does. He will answer. Our great need in this hour is the presence of the God of Elijah, which is the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon once said this, with the Holy Spirit, all things flourish, but in his absence, we decline. Billy Graham said this, 95% of the activities we do in church would still continue even if the Holy Spirit left our church. Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, please don't send us because what will distinguish us from the rest of the people on the earth? It's your presence, Lord, that we need. It is his presence in our life in a very practical way, in the mundane, ordinary, everyday of life that fills our life with extraordinary experiences and encounters. I was speaking with Monica. Monica and I were talking uh, recently about just kind of reminiscing about our life. And the Lord has, has um, blessed us with quite an adventurous life. But I was thinking about it, and most of the adventures came about because 
of facing Jordan situations. And I don't like those. I don't like pain. I have a friend, his name is Jose. He uses this, this, um, this slingshot. And he says, Darren, he says, the more tension you have in your life, the more the Lord can launch you further. I'm like, I don't want tension. Just launch me. But I don't want the tension. I don't need the stress and the problems and the Jordans in my life. But I have ex- I've realized that it's when we face those Jordans in our life, Jose is actually correct. The bigger the Jordan the bigger the, the tension, the, the strain, the further the Lord can launch you. And I do believe that there are people in this room and you, you, you're going after something great. And I believe that you also feel like there's something impossible in front of you. And I've been sent to tell you he is the God of the impossible. He is the God who makes the impossible possible. And if you want adventure, walk with him. And the way we walk with him in this day and age for the last 2,000 years is we walk with God, the Holy Spirit, in the everyday of life. We need his presence. We need the Holy Spirit leading us daily. He is the God of the impossible. Think about this. Everything he does, I was thinking about this on Monday. I was driving in the car. I didn't know I was coming here to preach, but... uh, I was thinking about this. Everything God does is impossible. He does nothing that is possible. Everything's impossible. Think about it. At the very beginning, God said, let there be light. And ex nihilo, out of nothing, he created all that we see. That's impossible. He took Adam, a hunk of mud, and went, and breathed into him a breath of light. That's impossible. He took Abraham who was 90, he was 100, I think she was 98, I don't know, they were both really old. And they got pregnant, that's impossible. He took Moses and led 3,000 people and parted a red sea, that's impossible. Everything he does is impossible. He does nothing that is possible, everything's impossible. The fact that you and I have breath today, the Bible says, is a gift from God. It is a miracle even that you get to go for a few more times while I'm preaching. That's a miracle. Without God, that doesn't happen. It says that he holds all things together. Why does the earth continue to go around the sun? Well, if you're in science, you'll understand it's a centrifugal force. There's two equal and opposite forces. One is pulling it in, gravity. The other one is wanting to... it off somehow this perfect balance we keep going around they're explaining it but they 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 can they can mathematically explain what happens they have no idea why it actually works they still don't understand why two masses the earth and you are attracted to one another it's called gravity einstein most brilliant mind ever went to his grave trying to understand gravity oh we can explain it and all like paul explains it really simple he says All things were created by him, Jesus Christ, and for him. And in him, all things hold together. I can get my head around that. It's God. Everything he does is impossible. Think about the times in your life. Think about those who are married here. If I sat down with you and you began to tell me your story, I am sure that there are some extraordinary moments where one could say, well, it was lucky or it was a happenstance or it just so happened that or whatever 
But in reality, we know that God arranged things, right? It's a miracle. He is the God of the supernatural. Everything he does is supernatural. You know, I think we have things. So I had that thing happen to me at the airport, right? It's kind of fun, great story. I know it was the Lord leading me. But you know, in reality, you and I have the Lord leading us every day. You know, we, we get two weeks down the road and we look back and we're like, wow, man, I was really lucky. That really worked out well. But really, it was the Lord leading us. The Lord actually works in a supernatural way in our life every day. Amen. Many times we're just too much of a dunce to understand it. <laughs> we're too dull to the things of the Holy Spirit. But he's the God of the impossible. And if you're facing an impossible situation, well, great. You join the company of thousands of others who are dealing with the same thing and who have dealt with the same thing. And he has performed the miracles that have brought about the impossible. He filled Peter and Paul and the apostles. He caused Mary to conceive. He filled Jesus with the Holy Spirit at birth. He enabled Jesus to go to the cross. He raised Jesus from the dead. From cover to cover, the Bible is a book of the impossible that was accomplished by the God who can make all things possible. It says with him, all things are possible. The situation you find yourself in today, it really is a very possible situation, though it seems impossible. He makes the impossible possible. That's what he does. If you find yourself today with a huge dream or a daunting task from the Lord in front of you, do not fear. Because he's accomplished so many in your life already. I mean, you're born again. <laughs> that's a miracle. Especially if you told me your story, I'd probably be like, wow, that's really a miracle for that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's the God of the impossible. It's what he does. And the same Holy Spirit that created the worlds, that anointed David, Samson, Elijah, and Elisha, the same Holy Spirit that breathed into Adam, the same Holy Spirit that was the fire in the wilderness, the same Holy Spirit that was like in the, in the wilderness, that same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that caused a virgin to conceive, the same Holy Spirit dwells in us, ordinary people. He lives in us. And so my brothers and sisters, let us reach to God for the impossible. I don't think many of you actually have to go out of here and say, well, Lord, what's some, something impossible that I could go for? I'm pretty sure probably most of you are facing some things that seem impossible at the moment. So you already got your impossible. You already have your Jordan River. You might sit here and say, well, Darren... How does this apply to me today? What do I do? I love reading scripture and taking something away from it. Meaning, what do I do in light of this? What do I do? Well, I want to pick up the story in verse 14. Elisha and Elijah are walking along. It's Elijah's last day. He's there to the very last moment involved in making disciples. All of a sudden, a chariot comes between he and Elisha. And Elijah's coat, his cloak, drops from him. And I can just see it, he's going up into heaven. And this cloak 
comes falling down to the earth. And Elijah is, Elisha is there and he cries out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of heaven. And then the clouds close and he's standing there. And now it's an ordinary day. But he knows that he's got to go back to that river. And those 50 great men of God are going to be standing there watching. Walks over. Picks up his father's cloak. whole time he's probably mourning the loss of his father. Maybe some of you find yourself in impossible situations. It's one thing to face an impossible situation when you're on top of your game, when all things are well, when everyone loves you and the family's at peace. You're full of faith. And it's another thing when you've just such, suffered a tragedy or you've just lost a loved one, but you still have to go forward. And he stands there. He looks at the cloak. He looks at those people on the other side. And he knows he's got to go forward. He wants to go forward. He wants to be used of God. But will God do it for him? He did it for the great man. But will God do it for him? He looks at that water. He lifts his eyes to heaven. And he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Boom! And whoosh! And the Jordan parts. And he picks up the cloak and he walks across. And I want you to know that what God calls you to do many times in the impossible situations is very ordinary things. Maybe it's stretching out a staff. Maybe it's striking water with a cloak. Maybe it's picking up the phone and calling someone. I find in my life, I'm sitting there talking to someone and the Lord, I feel the Lord prompts me, go walk around the corner of the building. Okay. So I tell my friend, hey, excuse me a minute. I walk around the corner of the building and I stumble into something that needs the attention of the Lord. I find myself in business. Sitting at a desk thinking, Lord, Lord, I need an idea. And crying out to him for six months. And then he gives me an idea. And it's a stupid idea. <laughs> well, that's what people think, right? And you try the stupid idea and it actually works. <laughs> like, wow, that's pretty cool. And people say, man, how'd you come up with that? And it's like, well, actually, everyone thought it was stupid when I came up with the idea. It was just an ordinary idea. Or I find in my marriage that I sometimes fail towards my wife and... Maybe I say some harsh words and I, and I go to my desk and I'm working on some stuff and I just feel the Holy Spirit say, go apologize to your wife. Oh, Lord, Lord, you know, it was all her fault up until that very last moment when I said that stupid thing. You know, her fault is this big, mine's that big. I mean, that's not reality, but in my mind, that's what we think as men, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, Lord, if I go and apologize, in essence, I'm taking blame for the whole thing. My part was only that. In my mind, that's what it is. It, that's not reality, right? It's all my fault. But yes, Lord. I'm sorry, Monica. Please forgive me. And she says, for what? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some specifics. 
I find that's what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. And as we walk with the Holy Spirit like that, he does extraordinary things. I find that sometimes I'm at home at night and I take out my phone and the Lord, I don't know, I just feel prompted. Check your kids' grades. Hmm. Billy, come on in. I don't have a Billy, that's why I'm using that name. <laughs> Billy, come on in, let's talk. Anything you want to tell me? <laughs> no, Dad, you sure? Well, actually, Dad, and I know my son goes away thinking, how does he know? <laughs> the Lord will tell me everything. <laughs> this is what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's being led by the simple promptings of the Holy Spirit. And what I find is that usually what the Lord prompts you to do is not extreme stuff. Stretch out your staff, strike the water, walk around the corner, apologize to your wife, look at the grade book. It's simple things. But do you know that as a people, as we walk like this, do you realize that the results are extraordinary? And what happens is that a community is transformed by the power of an extraordinary gospel proclaimed through ordinary people, but empowered by an extraordinary Holy Spirit that brings about extraordinary results. This is how we see the culture transformed. Let's all stand. I wrote down this question. What is your Jordan? Here's another question. In light of this, what should I do? If you personalize this. And I wrote down this. Do what Elisha did. Go forward. What's the next step he gave you? Go forward. That one step. Just do that and go forward. And look to the God of the impossible to part your Jordan. He will. It's what he does. And when he does, no boasting. Just keep moving forward. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to, I'm going to pray that, uh, that this week... That as we move forward, we experience the God of the impossible being the God of the possible in our life. I just want to make this statement here. You know, I know that there's a, an election coming up. And I'm not really preaching on the election, but this does have application to this. That, and we are, I am praying for a specific outcome to the, to the election. But irrespective of the outcome... What we ultimately need is Christians walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, making disciples. That's what transforms a nation. No particular outcome transforms a nation. One outcome might withhold, you, you might think that a particular outcome will hold evil at bay. You might think that, or a particular outcome might create a better financial situation or a cultural situation, whatever. But what transforms a nation is ordinary Christians walking with an extraordinary God making disciples. And that is necessary irrespective of the outcome. Because it is an awesome God who has promised that nations will walk as disciples of Christ. And no particular president or Congress can bring that about. They cannot. It's not within their power nor their jurisdiction to bring that about. It is within the power and the jurisdiction of the church of Jesus Christ to make disciple of a nation. Amen. And so as we go out from here today, be extraordinary. 
as an ordinary person, look to the extraordinary God. Take an extraordinary step. Take a risk. Look for God to part your Jordan. And then gather someone alongside you. Begin pouring into them. And make a disciple. And help them to understand how to walk with an extraordinary God. And if we will do that, we will see a nation transformed by the power of the gospel. With or without the party of our choosing. Well, Father, we just lift up to you, Lord, our lives. Lord, I lift up to you the life of each person here, Lord. Lord, I pray for every person who's facing their own Jordan today, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would infuse their heart and their mind and their spirit with faith for the extraordinary. Lord, I pray that you would make it clear to each of us what it is, that next step that you're calling us to do. And as we step out, Father, I pray that you would perform the miraculous, the supernatural amongst us, Lord, that just as you have done for thousands before us and thousands presently in this earth, Lord, I pray that you would do it for us, Lord. I pray, God, that we would be that supernatural people that you have made us, Lord, making disciples in this community. Lord, for those that we meet with, that we are pouring into our lives into, Father, would you please bring about miraculous transformation in their lives? I believe there are some parents here and you have, uh, there's at least one here, that you have a child or children who are not walking with the Lord as as you desire in your heart. And whether your child is presently at, it seems like an impossible situation. But I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would cause the words that have been sown into the life of that child, even though they are now a man or a woman. I pray, God, that you would cause those words to produce fruit, Lord. I pray for that person that they would come alive to the things of God, Lord. I pray that you would take that thing which seems impossible and that you would make it possible in the name of Jesus, Lord. That you would bring them to walk with you again, Lord. You are the God of the impossible, and we ask that you would do that, Lord. Amen. And just for, for those parents, I just want to encourage you. He is the God of the impossible. He never quits. He never stops. He never lets go. Amen. He is faithful, and he has put those children in your heart, and they are in his heart, and he will not let them go. He is the God of the impossible. But keep praying. Keep praying, knowing that your prayers make a difference. If there's anyone here and you don't know this God of the impossible, I just want to ask everyone to keep your eyes closed for a minute. If you're here and you do not know this God of the impossible, if you have never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've heard about him, you've heard the gospel many times, but you've never surrendered. I want you to know that this is your day for God to do a miracle in your life that you could come to know him. And if you want to know this Jesus... If you are prepared to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, I want you in my life. Just with everyone's eyes closed, uh, would you just look up at me or would you raise your hand that I know who you are? Because I just, I would like to know who that is so that I can grab a Coke with you this week and talk to you about how you can come to know this Jesus. I'm not gonna call you up or I'm not gonna embarrass you, but if you need to know Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now that I could see who that is? Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we lift up this day to you. Father, we pray for this election, Lord. Lord, you told us to pray for those who are in authority that we could live peaceful and quiet lives where your gospel can advance. And so, Lord, we just ask that this upcoming week, Lord, that you would create peace in our land, Lord, that there would be peace in our cities, 
peace at the polling places. Lord, we do ask unashamedly that you would place into positions of authority in the presidency, in the Congress, in the judgeships, the governorships, the mayoral races, down at the school uh, level. Lord, we pray that you would place in these positions of power men and women who fear you and who will rule justly. Lord, we pray that you would stop any shenanigans or, or cheating or dishonesty or corruption. Father, we pray that you would cause that to come to nothing. And um, Lord, in and all, our confidence is in you. We move forward with the gospel, seeing our nation to become a disciple of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.